0: great how great is our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. There's none like our God. There's no one like him. Oh how great is our God. How great is our God. One of my favorite hymns and I know my son's favorite hymn is then sings my soul my savior God to thee, how great thou art. Oh God, how great thou. We truly thank God for being here. We thank God for the praise that has gone forth. We pray that God was was pleased with our praise. Amen. If it comes from a genuine heart, it doesn't matter. It's good to do it with a good voice, an anointed voice. But if you sing from a genuine heart, he hears our praise. And it's a sweet sound. To is he Truly, we thank god for being here thank god for our pastor being here i tell you we got a hard-working pastor this morning before a lot of us got up he'd already preached two sermons so we're glad that he's getting a chance to rest now and, and 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 look at sarah brooke just resting in his arms that's a beautiful picture right there, seeing how content she is. And you know something, I watch people. I I watch things. I I, I talk a little bit. Sometimes I talk too much, but I'm always watching. But one thing I noticed when the kids came in and they hadn't seen Brennan since early this morning or late last night, they came running to his arm like they hadn't seen him in months, running and jumping in his arms. That's how of child should be toward their father. Glad to see him, glad to be in his presence. And that's how we should be in our church services glad to be in with our father, glad to be with his presence, glad to be amongst him. So we're glad to to have him there to see Christy. Yeah, that's she. Is. With these masks, it's a little harder. For me to recognize everybody, I can't see good anyway, but I'm glad to see she's in the house. My wife is over there singing praises she do. My mother is here. Truly, it's a blessed day and all of you. I honor God in all of your presence. Truly, we thank him for yet another day that he is made. Amen. I'm glad that I have another opportunity as well to bring the word today because I wasn't able to quite complete uh, the message on last week. It's great to be obedient to the Spirit that when He told me to stop, I actually stopped instead of trying to push on. Sometimes I, I listen, even though my wife might think otherwise, but sometimes I do listen. Amen. And I didn't have to rush and get the message over in one setting, that, that I get another opportunity to complete what God was truly saying to His people. Amen. One point that, well, on last week we we were speaking on labels and we talked about, we asked, uh, who do people, what do people call you? And then do you answer? And the third one is, who do you call yourself? And the last question I wanted to ask and I will uh, address today is, who does God call you? Who does God call you? and labels. Amen. The word today is coming from Matthew chapter 16. We're going to begin to verse 13. It goes as such. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for your holy word. God, we ask as we speak the word, we pray that as I open my mouth that you will do what pleases you. Pray that I decrease and that your spirit may abide even more. We ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, God, let it be acceptable unto thy sight. Jesus' name, we pray, Amen. Again, we're on labels too. It's the subject, and so as we begin Black History Month, it started with a bang for me personally. For those who know my sports allegiances, I am a uh, Miami Dolphins fan, a Laker, and I'm a Crimson Tider, and I have been very loyal to my uh, franchises, whether they. Up or they down, I still stay with my teams. Um, one, the only one I changed when I was younger, very young, I was an Auburn Tiger fan. But as I grew wiser, I was able to know better and walk better. Amen. <laughs> hey, I hear some talk back there, but y'all know who. <laughs> but, but but on this week, it was a little hard with Black History Month starting And uh, my coach was fired. He was a black, he was also Hispanic, but he he was fired as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And not long after he was fired, he filed a lawsuit for discrimination. And it's meaningful because it's Black History Month and it made you, again, look at the NFL and how it is laid out, how the players are mostly black, the coaches were mostly white, and the owners were almost all white. And you looked at how uh, they've even set rules in in place so that they can keep uh, black people in the room so they could be looked upon. But even so, they set the name of the rule, is the Rooney Rule, even though it's set in place, all they're commanded to do is to interview two people, two minorities, is all they have to do. But and as long as they do that, they have to fulfill the rule, but everybody looked and they noticed that when the rule was first put in place, there were three African-American head coaches. And today, there's only one African-American head coach. So even though the rule rule was put in place, they're in the rooms, but nothing really has changed that much. Um, I, I I took it personal also because I know the team is, Miami Dolphins are very diverse. Uh, they got a black general manager, they got women, they got a lot of diversity in the rooms, and he really prides himself on it. But yet there was something wrong because uh, I, I know there were two black head coaches, and they were encouraged to lose you know, because they can get a higher draft pick. And so they would encourage him to fail and then they would lose their position. And, and this just opened up a whole lot in my eyesight of how it is because I, I have been, well, another thing he was saying that even though he was being interviewed, he wasn't taken seriously. And, and I will say for myself, I have been in that position. I don't know if any of you have where you went in an interview and you felt like that, that they had already made their decision. But I I, I want to implore you that that don't ever go into a room thinking that you have already lost. Even though I went into those interviews, one in particular where everybody said this other guy had gotten the job, I... I uh, implored to the, the upper management that that if you do hire that person, I will do all I can to prove to make sure this apartment goes the way it's supposed to be. And that you will be tr- looking for another place to put this guy because I'm going to be doing the job so well. And he heard that response from me and for, he went on and hired me. So my point is, even though you get in a room, it's still your job. to to sell yourself. It's still your job to let them know they will be making the wrong decision if they choose you. So I don't want you going into interviews, going into places, feeling that you've already lost. And another thing I want you to know, if God has something for you, it is for you. And can't nobody take it away from you. So don't go thinking that you can't do this, you can't succeed, that they got the the manners up against me, because that is not so. If you are in the room, it's up to you. And if there's something that you can do to do better, you work on what you can do. Don't worry about what they did, amen? Because you can't control them, but you can control yourself. And God, no matter what they do, if God has opened the door, can't nobody close it in your face, amen? So now, <clears throat> we're here, Black History Month, and, 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 and we're dealing with some things already me and my son we had a a conversation not long ago and he said that sometimes it feels racism is even more adamant now than it was when we were young at first i said yeah you're right but it's not quite as bad as it was then because we could walk down the street without worry that somebody will come and hurt us we didn't feel like that in the 60s we were afraid sometimes to walk down the streets so it is a little different but it still is not has changed as much as it should have in the 2020s. Amen. Amen. Uh, we are in the rooms, but sometimes when we get in those rooms, we realize that upper management is vastly different than mid-management. It's less diversity and they feel more comfortable to voice their true opinion when they are in those rooms. That's why John Gruden, another head coach, felt comfortable emailing negative connotations toward other people because he was in the room and others weren't. I can give many more examples of where people were saying things in the room that you don't hear outside the room. But the fact that there has to be a black history itself, the fact that they've got to have a time for black history, the fact that we find different people every year that we didn't learn about in schools. The fact that it's not a part of history itself brings need for conversation. I personally am looking forward to the day that we can talk about history in school and learn more about people like Garrett Augustus Morgan. He was a notable inventor. He made the three position traffic light that we still use today. He also invented the gas mask. Uh, It was called the smoke hood is what he called it, but it ended up being called the gas mask. A great black man. Another inventor, Benjamin Banneker, who in the late 1700s produced a layout of the city Washington, DC. And it starts with streets with single alphabets. And as you go north toward Maryland, it ends with multiple syllable words, names, so that you could just about tell where you are just by the name of the street. The numbers went uh, from east to west, and there were cities, state names that went diagonally throughout the city. Black man created that, but you won't find it in history books. He won't get the credit for it. There's another inventor, Alice H. Parker. She got a patent in December of 1919 for her heating system invention. She created this uh, heating system that was able to go through uh, tubes uh, that we call vents, and she was using natural gas to do it. The first person to ever use natural gas. Amen. Now those are three people alone. Before there were civil rights. Before there were women's rights, they had already begun to eradicate eradicate some labels that were already instilled amongst our people. Some labels that they had, they had already began to erase them away. But as we learned on last week, it doesn't matter what they may call you. What matters is what you answer to, what you accept and what you think of yourself or what you even call yourself. And that first and foremost, that we shall be called sons of God, that we shall be called children of God, that we should be called Christians. So it brings us to that final question: What does God call you? You know that's a big question among Christians, especially new converts. What does God want from me? What does God expect from me? What is my? purpose. Rick Warren made a lot of money from that. He wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. He even got some of my money because it was a very book, good book that he used to explain very simply what to expect out of a God-given life. He just made it simple. But that is so important to know what or know who you are and who you are in Christ. Most people think that you were called to do grandiose works. As Jesus said in Luke 4 and 18, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord now we must know that in doing what we must do we must first use the word amen we don't have to be all so great within ourselves but we must use god's words so we must know christ we must grow in christ and we must sow christ in others it's that simple when you know you want to know your purpose your purpose is to know christ grow in christ and sow Christ in others. But the problem arises when we sometimes get those things out of water. We want to go out and sow Christ, but we hadn't grown in him. And we can't grow in him if we don't first know him. So if you want to know your purpose, your God-given purpose, first get to know him. That's your purpose. Get to know him. And that brings us to our word today is in Matthew 16. Now, the, uh, we, the first part of Matthew 16 is talk about the Sadducees, the Pharisees. They came to Jesus demanding a sign from heaven. The Pharisees, the Sadducees who disagreed on just about everything else. they political, theology, they just did not have a good, uh, they didn't get along at all. But the only thing they had to come together on was the fact that disdain, their hate for Jesus. And so they came together to step to Jesus and ask him that question. They wanted to discredit him once again. So they asked him for a sign. But Jesus told them, you go out there, you interpret the sun, you interpret the, the day, you interpret the evening, but you can't see the sign of the times? He said, you're looking for a sign. Well, God already gave you a sign through Jonah. Repent, what he was saying. You've already been given the sign, but you won't take heed to what you've already received. Well, Jesus used them as a learning tool, telling them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was telling his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Disciples, they started murmuring, thinking that, Jesus was saying, literally, don't eat that bread. But he was saying, no, uh, oh, they started saying that we should have brought some of that bread with us that, that, that we had just a little while ago when he fed the 4,000 with the few fish and seven loaves of bread. They had many barrels left over after they ate all of that. And the disciples were talking among themselves, we should have just brought that bread over. But Jesus continued to instruct them. He wasn't asking them. He wasn't talking about natural bread. He said, why would I be concerned of what they give you to eat? Don't you remember that how I fed 5,000 with five loaves? You still fall off the seven loaves that I gave you with the 4,000. They then began to understand that Jesus was speaking of the teachings of the Pharisees, and not the food of the Pharisees. And that brings us to our focal text at verse 13. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah of one of the prophets. Jesus asked them, what labels are they putting on me? They told him what they had been hearing from others. And He went on and said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus, in other words, saying, I hear what they call me But you, the ones who have been with me and have seen me and seen what I can do. What do you call me? And Peter burst out as Peter does. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. But my father who is in heaven and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus told him, Peter, you are blessed. You can see what God has revealed, what God has purposed. And on this rock, I will build my church. On what rock? The rock of Peter? No, because in a few more verses, we'll see that Peter gets rebuked. Because as Jesus continues with his instructions, telling that he must die for all things to come to pass. Peter bursts out again. Basically, you ain't going to die if I can help it. And Jesus had to rebuke him, saying, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are thinking carnally. You are just thinking for yourself. You're thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about the overall mission that is in store. But Jesus said, if this church is built on the rock, and if the rock is Peter, it didn't last long because he was quickly off the rock, off the trail. So the rock was not built. The church is not built on the rock of Peter. It's built on the fact that Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. I often joke with with Pastor Brandon when we were getting the church started, we were looking at different uh, logos and things, and I'm like, well, why don't you put your picture out there, you know, or uh, why don't you... Naming Knights Temple or, you know, just things like that. What we see all the time that he's not about that because and I'm glad I just was testing him out. But but the church is not about him. It's about him. And when people begin making it more about themselves, they are getting themselves off track. But the church is built on him, not built on one person, not built on one person. Person Not built on one thing. It is built strictly on Jesus. Built on the fact that he is the son of the living God. So what does God call you? Jesus told Peter, blessed art thou Simon by Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But thou art Peter and on this rock. He said, you are Simon, son of John, but from now on, you are Petros, he said in Greek. You are Petros of the Petra, meaning you are a piece of the rock, a stone, a movable rock, a pebble, a piece of that massive cliff, a piece of that big rock. That's what we'll call you from now on, Peter. See, when God blesses you, When God specifically calls you, the devil also heals. The devil also gets word eventually. And he will do everything he can do to make you disbelieve what God has said. That was part of the example that Jesus gave with Peter. Right after he did that, the devil came and tempted Peter. So right after God gives you a revelation, you got to expect. It's not if, if the enemy comes. It's when the enemy comes. How are you going to take it? Are you going to let him give you other labels that you think that, 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 no, God didn't mean that. This is what he really meant. No, you've got to stand on the fact of what God has called you. Amen. Even Jesus got tempted. You know, in Matthew chapter 4, after Jesus was tempted, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, the son of God. See, Jesus, I mean, the, the the devil came tempting that very fact, That if you are the son of God. The devil's not going to leave you. No. It's not if he comes, it's when he comes. And just so as the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they came up asking for proof. The devil slept, stepped up and tried Jesus. He said, if you are the son of God, he came to him at a moment of weakness, not when he was, he was fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights. And really it was time for him to eat, but he's not going to eat on the base of the devil coming and tempting him. He eats on his own merit. Now you think what kind of sin is eating? It's not a sin, but it, sometimes when you get off track, if you do other than what God's called you to do, you can fall off track. You can get led in another way. But the devil came and tempt him at a moment of weakness after he had fasted. Now, some of us are on a fast right now. <clears throat> we are fasting and praying this month for guidance, discipline, strength. Some of us are praying that the nation be healed both physically and socially. I know some may have already been tempted to get off. But I want to encourage you that even if you tried, if you've stopped for a moment, get back on it because this is an important time, and and and, and I believe, and, and, and Sister Tina said the same thing, that you will be blessed for fasting and praying. Now you might not receive, no, you won't see, see, receive it immediately. But blessings will come your way if you continue on what God has called you to do. If you continue on this month fasting and praying, just try it. I believe God has a blessing in store. Amen. But but yes, temptations will arise just as Jesus faced temptations because Satan heard the call to Jesus as well. So we must be in prayer. We must be in the word. So that we can answer back as Jesus did when, not if the tempter comes, when he comes, we have to be prepared to have an answer for him. And you got to answer with the word using his word will accomplish a whole lot more than you using your own words. See, there's power in his words. There's power that you can use to defend against the enemy. Amen. Paul shared in second Timothy, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us unto a holy calling, not because of our works, or, but because of his own purpose and his grace. Which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Paul asks us to share in suffering. Fortunately, we live lives now that we're living in such great comfort, and suffering now is so limited. When we're faced with suffering now, it's easy, so quick and easy to go set up a GoFundMe page. And evidently, it's working because I continue to see them coming up, go find me. So it's effective. And, and and I have even given to a couple of people when my wife addresses me on a, a, a case or a situation uh, that we're so quick to help one another when we see that they are in trouble. It's so easy. Things are just at our fingertips to help. But... Things are also at our fingertips to sin, to do wrong. So we must continue to pray for our discipline, continue to pray that we're being what God would have us to be. And then Paul said, don't be ashamed to call to tell his testimony. Don't be ashamed to tell of his goodness, how we are saved, not because of our good works or how we live such sin free lives that's why we're saved no no that's not the reason we're saved we saved only because of jesus because of his suffering because he called us to a holy calling we don't have a holy house or a holy car now what we have is a holy savior and that's the only thing that's holy about us is him amen it goes on to, toward the end of the chapter, Matthew 16, verses 24. It says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give and reward in return for his soul? Labels. Labels. See, when it all boils down, your influence, your accomplishments, even your name is not all that important. Matter of fact, Jesus asks us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. For Jesus, taking up the cross was a moment of complete vulnerability. It was a moment he was preparing to totally give himself away for our sakes. So for us, take up our cross means take up our persecution take up our weaknesses take up our vulnerability it means to be willing even though we have the powers and the strength to withstand to remain silent remain silent for his sake we could be persecuted and we have the right words to retaliate we just know how to get them and cut right to the matter. But we have to be able to be silent, to not get back, even though we got the right opportunity for his sake. Jesus, the same Jesus that at the age of 12 confounded the priests with his knowledge and his authority. The same Jesus that had power to walk on water. The same Jesus that had power to raise the dead. He had the power to calm the stormy seas. I guarantee you he had the power to climb down off of that cross. But he stayed there for us. He gave up his life for us. And now he's asking us to take up our cross and follow him. I remember the Samaritan woman at the well, when, when she was at the well and Jesus came up to her and had a conversation. He asked her uh, to get him some water. And she looked at him like, how you want water? And you didn't bring a matter of getting the water. And he let her know that I am living water. If you knew what I am, you would ask me and you would thirst no more. He continued on the conversation she asked for the water and, and he told her that well uh, okay but go get your husband first and and she let her know well i, I got no husband see sometimes jesus want to know if we know and accept who we are she she said i got no husband jesus said, yeah i know you don't because and you had five and then when you were not it's not yours so he let her know who she was what but the message came on and she got so excited and but, but he went on. He didn't stop right there. She was asking more questions. She said, "Well, well, why do you worship? You know, you you worship in Jerusalem." And he let her know, "No, we. Were, it's going to come a time we're going to worship in spirit and in truth." The conversation continued on, and and she said, "You must be the Messiah, the Son of God." And as a result of her saying that. She got excited, and she left to go tell others what she had seen. But as she left, she dropped her water pot. She dropped her water pot. Now, that might not be significant to you, but she was on her way to get water because she needed it. She was thirsty, but she needed to do things at the house. But when she met with Jesus, she left that water pot right there. That's significant because she changed her complete thoughts. She denied everything about her because she, her mission now was to be with Jesus or to, to express what she had heard from Jesus. What does it mean for us? Are we willing to drop our water pot? Are we willing to stop doing or or worry about, you know how we have plans and goals in our lives and, and then we have plans and goals and then God wants you to turn and go this way. What do you do? Do you drop your plan and goals or do you continue on with what you want to do and then put Jesus on the side? It says to deny, to deny yourself to forget about what you have planned. Forget about what you are planning and think about what he has in store for you. And and then it says to go on and share his testimony. Share how he died. Share how you are saved because of him. Hmm. Labels. We're talking about labels and all the things that people have called us, all the things that that people had asked and said about us, and and even asked about what we call ourselves. But when when it all boils down, what it all comes to is, are you willing to express your love for him? Are you willing to continue to share what you have received and share with others? Your name, I know we, you want to say your name proud, say you want people to remember you. But when it's all said and done, are you going to be remembered for yourself and for your accomplishments? Or as he said a couple of weeks ago, are you going to be remembered for your faith in him? That's what's important. That's why we're here. That's why we're here expressing and praising and and, and learning more about God, because we want to be able to share with others so that they might want to know what they need to do to be saved. And there's not no grandiose plans. There's not those great things that you have to do. All you need to do is just study and learn more of him. And as we learn more of him his spirit will lead us and guide us into what he would have us to do. Amen. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. We praise and magnify your holy name. God, we know that there's no god. Like you. There's no god like our God. And God, we pray that your word resonates in our hearts and in our minds. God, we pray that we continue to hear you speak all through the week in Bible study. We pray that we hear you speak as we fast, as we pray, and as we meditate. And as we go on through our private studies, God, we ask that you are revealed even more to us. And that as we gain more revelation, that we continue to be a witness to you unto all people. We pray that we learn what it means for us personally to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and to follow you. God, if there be someone who, who you are at this moment revealing yourself to, God, we pray that, that, that you will come into their hearts and that they hear your call and, and they say yes to your will. They say yes to your ways, God. God, we pray that they're tired of the road most traveling. They're ready to begin to follow you. If there be one right now under the sound of my voice or even virtually. We ask that, that, that they reach out, either virtually or just let one of us know at the service, God. Notify us that they are willing, they're tired, and they're ready to, do, to devote, to learn, to, to share more of you. And God, let them know that today, today is a perfect day to begin to follow you. Today is the perfect day to be saved. God, we love you and we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.